Chapter 3 Balliol College After I returned to Oxford, things got pretty hectic. You know how crazy college life can get. A few days later, I got a letter at Balliol. You may remember I'd written a note to the wife of the man who had collapsed, leaving it on the hall table for her to find when she came home. In it, I'd given my name and school address in case they needed to contact me. When I received the letter, the return address that was written clearly on the outside of the envelope was Mr. and Mrs. Eric Chandler, 37 Eaton Terrace, London, SW3. I couldn't believe what I was looking at. The man who had collapsed a few days earlier and the old lady who I'd met in the hospital who had come to check on her husband after his collapse were my grandparents. That was quite obvious. I stared at the envelope for ages and ages. My mind was churning. What was going on? Had my father intentionally lied to us? Or was it possible this was some dreadful mistake? I was in shock. After a minute or two, I decided to read the letter. So I sat down and tore open the envelope. What I read changed my life forever. Dear Matthew, it appears that I owe you an enormous debt of gratitude. The last thing I remember is answering my front door and hearing you introduce yourself. The next thing I remember is waking up in the hospital with my wife at my side. She told me all about you and what you had done for me and how you sat with me until the ambulance arrived and then came with me to the hospital and sat with me until she arrived. I'm most grateful to you, Matthew. I think that we should speak soon. Would you be able to come and visit us and have a cup of tea at your earliest convenience? Our telephone number is Chelsea 62514. We look forward to hearing back from you. Fondly, Eric and Susan Chandler. I sat there for a moment silently. From the tone of their letter, I got the feeling that they had figured it out just as I was beginning to. But why? That was the question that had to be answered. I had no idea why my father had lied to us. Had he done something so awful that he had to hide his background? What on earth could have been so bad? Assuming that the Chandlers would be at home now, I decided to take the bull by the horns and telephone them immediately. So I walked down the hall to the bank of payphones that Balliol had installed in my college at the turn of the century and rang them up to arrange our meeting. After a few rings, a female voice answered. Hello, Mrs. Chandler, I began. This is Matthew Chandler, and I'm ringing to let you know that I received your letter this morning and would love to come and have a cup of tea with you. I have a half day tomorrow and was wondering if that time will be convenient. Well, hello, Matthew, dear. Yes, I think tomorrow will be perfect, she answered. Shall we say at four o'clock? We shall look forward to seeing you then, Matthew. I smiled at the phone as I confirmed the time and said with a most confident voice that was actually far more confident than I really felt, Super, well, that's all set. 
I'll look forward to seeing you both tomorrow. And then I hung up the phone. After I got back to my room, I realised that if indeed these nice people were my grandparents, they'd probably like to see a photo of my father, and so I dug around in my stuff and finally found a fairly new photo of Dad and Mum that I'd taken with my Kodak Brownie last summer when we'd been in Scotland at our summer house on Loch Fyne. It was a happy photo. I remember that day well. Dad was in an unusually jolly mood and had played a round of golf with us two boys, while Mum walked around the course pretending to be our caddy. The photo I took was of Mum and Dad on the side of the cliff of the golf club overlooking Loch Fine as the sun was setting over the loch. I caught them right as Dad was laughing at something Mum had just said to him. It was nice to see them so happy. I pocketed the photo to take the Chandlers tomorrow, knowing that they'd love to see him after all this time. I had no idea what had gone so wrong that prompted my dad to lie to us and for him to forego the only parents he had. I arrived promptly at four the following day. Come in, my boy, it's lovely to see you. I smiled at the old man as he let me in through the front door, where just a few days earlier... The old man had collapsed. He led me down the hallway into a sunny drawing room where the old woman was sitting in a Queen Anne chair reading a novel. She looked up when we entered and a smile lit her ancient beautiful face. Oh, Matthew, how good of you to come. How are you? Please come in and make yourself comfortable, she gushed as she stood up and began to organize her knickknacks for some unknown reason. Let me get all of us a cup of tea and a biscuit and then we can chat more comfortably. The old man nodded and then beckoned for me to sit down on the sofa as he plonked himself down in the corresponding Queen Anne chair on the other side of the fireplace. I must say it all felt so natural to be in their house and I was experiencing a wonderfully warm feeling inside. After the tea arrived, the small talk started. Now, my boy, you're up at Balliol, am I right? I nodded in the affirmative. The old man smiled and replied, I was there too, but back in the early 1600s. I laughed politely at his corny joke. Are you enjoying yourself at Oxford? I smiled and told the old man that I was, and that I was in my first year and was sharing a room with my cousin Tiki and twin brother Simon. Tiggy must be Ruth's son, is that right? interrupted the old woman. The question stopped me in my tracks. How did she know Aunt Ruth? I thought to myself. That's right, Aunt Ruth is his mum, I answered. But that question opened the floodgates and prompted us to get past the small talk and move on to the topics that we really wanted to talk about. The old man stood up and looked at me and pointedly asked, Was your father's name Robert and your mother's name Elizabeth? I swallowed and nodded yes. Those were my parents' names, I told them. Then with one accord, both of them leapt towards me and hugged me so hard that it hurt. I couldn't believe that I'd found my father's parents, but still the nagging question remained. Why had my father 
lied that my grandparents were dead, I vowed to find the answer. The one question my grandmother asked about my Aunt Ruth altered the trajectory of our conversation and allowed the three of us to acknowledge that we were indeed related and that, in fact, these two good people were my grandparents and, in point of fact, were very much alive. I had so many questions I wanted to ask, and so did they. That afternoon, we sat in their comfy drawing room, asking and answering tons of questions and getting to know one another and making up for all the years of absence. I asked them both what they would like me to call them, and as if they had been rehearsing that question for decades, they replied, You can just call us Gramps and Gamma if you like, which was fine with me. Then my grandfather began to fill in the missing years. Mm -hmm.